Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wurzbacher. And today we're going to talk with someone whose call to adventure came with a mission filled with meaning and purpose as she traded her business suit and dress shoes for flip-flops. Now, when I think of flip-flops, I generally think of relaxing on the beach. But what happens when the ocean finds those shoes and washes them away and then deposits them somewhere else, contributing to the trash that consumes polluted beaches of Africa. Enter Ocean Soul, whose mission is to rid the Indian Ocean of plastic while creating both social and economic opportunity out of the collected waste. Ocean Soul's founder and CEO, Aaron Smith, is with us today. Aaron spent over 25 years working all over the world in international business, living in the U.S., the United Kingdom, and Kenya. Her education includes studies at George Mason University, Georgetown, UVA, and the University of Pennsylvania. And Aaron is here to share what happens when you combine a successful career in business with purpose and a love of travel and adventure. Aaron, welcome to the campfire. Uh, thank you very much, Scott. I'm very honored to be here with all your adventurous um, listeners and inspired by everything. So I can't wait to chat. I am so excited to hear about how all of this came to be. You have an adventure spirit, but for listeners, could we just start with what is Ocean Soul? Sure. Well, Ocean Soul is an enterprise, a social enterprise. Um, we're in the process of becoming a B certified company, which a lot of your listeners will probably know about. Um, we are a based in Kenya. So we have an organization in Kenya that basically works across our whole entity and, and creates a workshop of cleaning the beaches. Um, and I can talk about how we've set up this kind of infrastructure of cleaning our beaches, collecting everything off the beaches, but we Ocean Soul buy the flip-flops from local communities and we take them to our workshop and transform them into beautiful art pieces and some functional products, but um, statement pieces um, that are bright and beautiful and full of color. Yes, they are. And you guys have a great website with lots of great content and, and folks can go over to oceansoul.com to see some of the amazing art that you guys have created. And we'll also have pictures on the show notes as well for people to see, but it really is truly stunning pieces of, of art. I do want to ask you, um, the B certified. So for folks that don't know what B certified is, can you, can you just elaborate on that? Uh, well, B certified is a great concept that, you know, started here in the United States. And it's basically for an organization that really wants to be either circular or sustainable or has a social impact. So 
um, you know, an LLC is, you know, very profit driven and, you know, and a nonprofit, you know, we're a bit different because we're kind of a nonprofit business, but, um, you know, a lot of nonprofits are relying on grants and, you know, foundations to, to provide funding. But the B Corp is saying, well, wait a minute, there's something in the middle. And we're like the perfect kind of entity where we're a bit like the Girl Scouts, you know, if we're not hustling cookies and, you know, stuffing people's faces with mint thins, you know, and selling art, we're not doing good. So, um, you know, and there's a huge, there was a gap, I think, in the legal structure that this B Corp, um, you know, has really satisfied for people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, I love the sustainability piece. So the seeds of Ocean Soul existed um, before you came into the picture. Can you tell us a little bit of the background of how Ocean Soul came to be? Sure. So one of the problems that we solve is, you know, obviously these, this huge amount of flip-flops that end up on our coastlines and they come from far away. Um, and I'll talk to you about like how, how they come and why there are so many, um, they come from our riverways. They come from villages because, you know, people discard them and it's not as if Kenyans or other people are really throwing, you know, flip-flops into the ocean or, you know, quote, we lost our flip-flop on the San Tropez boat. You know, that's not the issue. Um, so what was happening is, and they follow the tides, similar to our migrating like turtles and other you know marine life. Yeah. And what um, some locals in Kenya and um, some people from worldwide uh, WWF is they were cleaning the beaches to allow for the turtles to hatch. And you know because obviously we need to make them clean. You know here in America, obviously everybody knows about like these turtle hatchings. They need to be cleaned. They return there, and the the beaches were so dirty that they couldn't get onto the to the beach. So local communities were cleaning them, and then what was observed was the flip flops were being kept to create toys. You know, and for the for the young kids and kind of, you know, gluing them together or tying them and using them as some type of, you know, entertainment. And um, that kind of garnered the idea of, oh, what can you do with these flip-flops and, you know, kind of create jobs. Um, and that just started a, its long journey from being kind of a grassroots project idea to kind of a full-fledged kind of operating enterprise that, you know, sells globally. Yeah. And um, again, just kind of going back to the art itself. I mean, obviously flip-flops come in all different colors and that's what's so cool about the art is it's like you, you talked about gluing them together and making things out of them. Like just there's such the artwork that you guys make is just full of color. They're so vibrant and it's really um, the videos that you guys have again online of kind of the process of how to, how the artists make this is it's really fascinating. I definitely encourage people to check that out. Yeah. And often everybody, when they first see him, like, we'll see such shows and, you know, people are like, oh, paper mache or <laughs> people really don't understand what it's made of. And then when you're kind of going, no, it's flip flops. They're like, what? And then, you know, we have to kind of tell the backstory um, for people to understand it. But yeah, I mean, it is, you know, we're probably the only ones around the world, you know, besides maybe some local artists that, you know, do this form of art. So we're quite in a unique position. Yeah. So I, I definitely want to get into some of the details of the organization, but like for you, you have this incredible, like 25 year history of just international business and living. Can you kind of help us understand how you got involved and, and maybe kind of your background leading up to Ocean Soul? Yes. Well, yeah. So 25 years, you're being kind. Um, and so uh, I, um, yeah, I did, you know, spent my youth and, you know, most of my career in high tech, 
Um, I had my own kind of software company. I was in private equity. I worked for British Telecom, you know, kind of as a CIO, um, just very, you know, blue, you know, you know blue suits and in high heel kind of jobs which I absolutely loved. I'm an ADHD person and um, I love, you know, kind of the whole yeah. like complexity of the problems and stuff that's solved. But um, I was traveling a lot. I mean, I pretty much, um, you know, was a million flyer in, on Emirates and British Airways and Kenya Airways. And I was given an opportunity I don't know, from 2010 uh, to leave London and um, go work across Middle East and Africa. And I'd already been tra traveling a little bit into Kenya to Lamu Island, which is an extraordinary island um, uh, um, in Kenya. And, you know, going there from holidays because, you know, the English um, do travel a lot. You know, Kenya is kind of like the Caribbean, if you will, to yeah. like America. And so anyway, I'd been there and I fell in love with the place. And when this opportunity came along and they, you know, said I could live in Nairobi or Dubai or Johannesburg, I chose Nairobi. And there I, I basically spent the next three or five, about four, no, five years um, traveling all across Sub-Saharan. I mean, I've been to every single, you know, country that, you know, is feasible in, in Africa and the Middle East that I could go to. And I loved it, but, you know, it was getting tired and um, I really wanted to settle in Kenya. I could see my life there. And so I just up and quit my kind of corporate job and decided that it was enough was enough. And I was turning 50 and young programmers weren't looking to me for advice anymore. And I knew I had enough money to kind of do some investment. So that's what I, you know, started doing, but I was started to help my friend, Julie Church, who had, you know, kind of brought this grassroots organization to, to the next level. And she was a marine biologist and struggling a little bit with some of the shareholdings, you know, with the governance and finance and all the stuff that I've lived and breathed. And so yeah. I started working with her and that's when, um, you know, it just got to the point where there's a lot of liabilities, a lot of debt, a lot of just issues and the people were suffering more than kind of the rest of us. And so I just decided to take on that, you know, kind of responsibility fiscally and, um, you know, and, and managerial and just kind of became the owner of it and started to work on transformation policies to kind of get this to be what it's, you know, certainly on the journey that it's on now. Yeah, totally. Okay. So I'm, I'm actually kind of getting some chills here right now because what I'm seeing is like this intersection and I, I mentioned it in the intro, but this intersection of the, of a person that has business acumen and mm -hmm. has, you know, has the knowledge that can turn this thing around, but it's fueled by this purpose and passion, like this really mission-driven organization to like help the environment. But there's also seeds of a call to adventure in this. There's, a, there's seeds of you and a passion for like travel and adventure because like for you, and you and I spoke before this podcast as well, like you were living in the United Kingdom and you got this opportunity to move to Kenya. And like for you, it was just like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to go do that. But I think for most people it would have been like, wait a minute, I'm going to move to Africa. Like that's, that's kind of a big deal. So I kind of wonder if you could speak to like your background as it relates to travel and adventure and, and how you got to this place where you were able to just say yes to like, I'm going to move to Kenya. Well, I mean, well, my dad was in the military. He was an Air Force pilot. Yeah. Um, and he flew F-4s. And how do we know? Because he will tell you, um, <laughs> as all kind of pilots do. And we, so, you know, I born in Texas, raised in Vegas, you know, swam in California, um, 
I pretty much had been to every state but Alaska and Hawaii by the time I was probably in eighth grade or 10th grade. You know, my mother loaded us up. She was a teacher into the station wagon. You know, we did the, you know, all the national parks every single summer. So, you know, I had that travel bug. Um, I spent six months in Europe after um, college, you know, before I started the workforce. You know, I've always, you know, I've, I've been to, I counted up because I was thinking of it, I've been to 128 countries, um, you know, in the world. Um, you know, to me, it's just always like I'm heading to Columbia soon. My friends are like, what? I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. We're going to go diving. You know, I just kind of look at it as an opportunity. And I even did that in my business career. My, I would work with coaches and they'd say, you know, Aaron, what is it you want to do? I'm like, I don't know, just paid vacate, you know, paid work <laughs> things so I can go visit places. You know, that just has been my underlying spirit. So, um, yeah, I think that adventure is in me. Um, you know, I've been to crazy countries. Um, you know, I'm not a backpacker. I'm a, you know, go visit and immerse myself a little bit in the culture. Um, yeah, so it's just always been part of me. So, you know, picking up and moving. And if somebody said, okay, you know, we're going to go because we're looking at Colombia as maybe doing a workshop similar to what we do in Kenya, because, you know, our impact impacts local communities. And there are places around the world that have the same problem we have, flip-flops, artisans, and low, you know, poverty, high poverty, low employment rates. And so, you know, Colombia is one, Haiti, Honduras, Guatemala. I mean, I can list them off and, you know, any of those countries, I'll just get on a plane, go visit. So, yeah. So you mentioned like, it's this underlying spirit. Yes. And I'm just curious, like, do you ever like take that for granted? Is that something that, is it just something that's always there? For it's you? just always there. Annoys the hell out of my husband. <laughs> he's an adventurer. I mean, since he's met me, you know, I met him later in in Kenya, and we, you know, we've been together. And he's been to like 22 countries since he met me. You know, I'm like, we were sitting at his cousin. You know, hope she'll never listen to this, but like boring as could be in Denmark. And I was like, okay, we got to get out of here. So I like looked up and like I found this like small cruise boat you know adventures cruise boat that was going from copenhagen to iceland and we were like and he's like when are we leaving i'm like in two days and we like you know spent two and a half weeks getting to iceland and then another two weeks and you know i think it's just my it's kind of what i do and if i can get in the water and scuba dive or water ski or sail you know that even makes it all better so yeah and what is it about adventure that fills you it's the the I don't, it's the stimulation of something new, you know, I mean, you know, like I said, I was forthcoming in my ADHD, like that kind of stimulation is the challenges of, um, I love meeting people. I'm a big extrovert. I love, you know, the whole thing, just kind of immersing. I'm not an immerser in my culture, you know, where a lot of people go and they, you know, the kind of, you know, I want to go and learn the language. That's not me. I want to go and be me in these countries and meet people that, you know, are kind of attract, attracted to me in terms of my energy and things. And so, um, I don't know where it came from. I think my grandmother was like that. My mother's like that, you know, just a very, you know, need to be on the road, kind of seeing everything. Hey everyone, it's Scott here. Did you know that the members of my real estate team, W Realty Group, are listening to their own voices that call to adventure by setting big goals. Some of those goals include planning trips to Bali and the Kingdom of Bhutan, buying investment homes and running the Chicago Marathon. At W Realty Group, we support and encourage these big goals and wanna help turn them into reality. We're currently looking to add new members to the team. If you know a great real estate agent in the Charlotte, North Carolina area that would benefit from being part of our team, please send a text, an email, or give me a call. And know that when you support W Realty Group, you're also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening.
Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the business, you've got the business history for sure. You've got this inventor spirit that you've had since you were a kid. Yeah. Um, how about the environmental piece? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, when I met with business coaches about what should I do in my career next and all this kind of stuff, you know, always was drawn to water. You know, I was a swimmer. I've, you know, um, I'm always around water. I need to live near water, need to be near there. And I think it was just like all of a sudden there was like these, be you know, I was a scuba diver and I'm watching these coral reef problems were happening, um, you know, until I really went to these third world countries. Um, and it's not just a Kenyan problem. It's it's a it's it's a problem of lack of infrastructure. These governments do not invest in waste management is when I really saw kind of the pollution and the destruction of, you know, our marine life the coastal communities, you know, the overfishing that's taking place, kind of our um, rules and regulations around um, import export of fish. And, you know, kind of, you know, in Kenya, tilapia, we have, we're one of the biggest um, providers of tilapia, but we can't eat it in Kenya. It has to go to Australia and then sent back to us. We import mm -hmm. our own fish. So you have these kind of like rules, regulations just don't make sense anymore. And I think I just started seeing this and, and, was like, okay, somebody's got to get to something. Um, you know, it can't just, our millennial and Gen X or, or Gen Zs can't just do this, you know, I think. So yeah. We have to use our business acumen to drive that change. And I think that's what kind of got me going on that. Yeah. And so I'm um, like, in terms of this bringing together of sort of these three facets before we move back into Ocean Soul, I, I'm just curious, I'm, I'm kind of listening to you and I'm just wondering the environment, your business acumen, um, your love for adventure. Like, first of all, do you, do you feel like you're really living a purposeful life right now with what you're, what you're doing with ocean soul? I mean, that probably is an obvious statement, but. Well, you know, it's funny because I think, you know, uh, I think women of my generation are absolutely self-critical and, you know, I'm always like, oh my God, I'm not doing enough. I need to go back to another graduate degree because there's another thing I could be doing and, you know, and adding more impact. Um, I think, with maturity and age, um, I am more um, recognizing that actually my energy and experience drives change. You know, I mean, you know, if you look at any change model, it's like you need to have some some kind of driver of that. And I think um, my ability to create and innovate it helps a lot. Yeah. You know, I am a big about the environment, but I would have to say my true passion is the people, like the, you know, the team that I work with, not just my management team and you know, kind of the leaders, but the artisans, artisans' families, you know, the coastal communities that we go out and talk to and educate. Like, you know, that's when tears come to my eyes of what can we do more to help these people because they just really have no idea kind of what is happening to them yeah. on a macro level, as well as what can they do about it at a micro level. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to get into some of those transformation stories as well. So um, the, the last piece on this is I'm just curious, like, do you feel like you've consciously created this life for yourself or do you feel like these things have just sort of come together somehow? Like, have you have you just sort of attracted this? Um, I would say my life kind of changed. I'll tell a quick story. Um, my, in 1997, I was traveling with my mother. We happened to be going to Paris. I was kind of, in, again, switching jobs or something. And I said, let's go, you know, to Paris and, and London and Berlin. And we were kind of traveling all around, you know, um, doing everything. And we landed in Paris and the Pope was there. 
And he was doing his, one of his very large, um, you know, kind of, he brings kids from around the world to these kind of like places. And we just so happened to go, oh my God, it's so crazy. This is, you know, and it was like, oh, and then of course we're like, okay, we better like be, you know, we better be on good yeah. form here. <laughs> funny enough, we met uh, some friends of ours, they're Chinese Americans, were there staying in a really swanky hotel. We were going to go meet them. And they said, let's meet at 7 a.m., which, you know, anyone that's been to Paris, like 7 a.m., there's like nobody yeah. uh, or anything. And mom and I were walking across and all of a sudden there was like all the security and this thing comes along and all of a sudden it's like, it's the Pope mobile. Right. And he's literally, I'm not kidding. An arms way away from us. Well, we're probably on the side of a sidewalk and he's probably in that next lane and they stop in front of us and he's just sitting there and he's like blowing kisses to us and he's blessing us. And my mother swears our life changed, you know, and that that's incredible of just kind of, you know, whether you believe him or not, just kind of that experience of anyone, you know, um, Mother Teresa, anybody, you know, kind of has, you know, my mother says, brought us great luck. And I, yeah. I think in some ways it was, that was a really pivotal, you know, time in our, my life in terms of, you know, just kind of like, God, you know, I am the luckiest person. And then, you know, we met Princess Diana on the end of that, which ended up in tragedy, but we just met her. She was staying in the same hotel we were in and there was all this stuff. And so like this whole trip had this like bookend of like magic and tragedy. And it just kind of really made a depth to me of like, I got to get on with my life. Like, you know, this is a, special place to be living in life, you know, that we, we all get this opportunity to do it. And what am I going to do? And I would say it took me about 20 years to figure out like 15 years to figure out what I really wanted to do. I do think I've manifested the balance that I have in my life in terms of fun. You know, I'm always about the fun and the adventure first, and then how am I going to make money to fuel and for afford the fun and adventure. And I think, you know, just kind of staying to that as goals is what got me to a place that, you know, combines my love of art, my love of ocean, my love of the people. And I've just made it, you know, probably any other entrepreneur would think, okay, I just need to stay in Kenya and run this thing. I've been like, no, I need to be out there telling the story. I need to go to these other countries like Colombia, Honduras, India, and talk to people and, you know, help them figure out ways to solve this problem. So, I've kind of married all the things I ever wanted to do using Ocean Soul as a platform for yeah. you know, not only change, but for my own destiny of in interest, I would say. I love that. Yeah. And it sounds like you're following your passion and things worked out very, very well for you. So um, as we come back to Ocean Soul, you guys have a really great website that explains the company's mission and values and, and kind of how things work. So I wonder if you could just kind of give us an overview of that. Maybe we just kind of start with uh, mission and values. Well, so our entire mission is, um, you know, to take these flip-flops, discarded flip-flops and make art that represents conservation and community empowerment, you know, in, in, in our art form. So um, that's what we do. And, um, you know, we're all about employment. So these are, you know, basically we've employed the unemployable. These, most of these people are farmers. Um, they are wood carvers. Um, you know, they, you know, basically are side of the road hustlers, if you will. And so, you know, we've created this kind of organization that allows for continuous like community empowerment. We're all about our employees and we're all about the high coastal communities that we work with. We figure out ways in which to teach them skills, ways in which to provide them decent income. 
We're all about conservation stewardship, whether our art is a pangolin to raise the awareness of the most trafficked, you know, kind of animal in the world, um, or a gorilla, or, you know, kind of, in, you know, whether it's, you know, a, a, you know manatees, you know, we, we make our art can be made into something that can represent that and hopefully bring attention for, you know, conservation and, and continuing to steward um, the savings of that. Um, our other missions, I would say the other two pillars that were really big is creativity and innovation. You know, we're constant, you know, we're a very creative organization. These guys can make anything. I mean, literally they are, I'm working with a really fun um, influencer, you know, artist. Um, he kind of does things on, on Adobe and is like combines an elephant and, like and a dolphin. And like, we're starting to make some of his like fun art for him. And, um, and you know, these guys just, I mean, they've never seen him. I took him on safari. They've never seen a giraffe before and they can make these things like life size and just like it. So, you know, we have that. And then last week we spend our time, you know, educating the youth, you know, going out and talking about conservation or social enterprise, you know, some of its business skills, how they can start their own kind of recycling efforts or their own business and, and um, you know, kind of giving them that, that kind of infrastructure and backdrop of confidence. Yeah, it's awesome. And I love like, again, just paint the picture, like you have smaller pieces, but you've literally got like life-size pieces. Yeah. And we transformed the, the, it started kind of, I would say previously, you know, kind of sell quote toys to, you know, or plush, you know, kind of flip-flop plushies, if you will, to zoos yeah. and aquariums. And my need for art was like so big. I was like, wait a minute, guys, you know, we've made a car. We made a, you know, life-size car. We've made gorillas. We've made dragons. We've made dinosaurs. I mean, you know, we, you know, you can think of it. We, we've made an Eiffel Tower. We've made letters, you know, we can pretty much do it. So, yeah. um, and that's where the creative and the fun part for me is, you know, so I push that side of the business a lot because that's where my interests are. Yeah, it's so fun. So who who buys the art? Oh, so we have, um, it's quite interesting, you know, here's my business background. It's like, we've got to diversify our revenue, guys. They're all like looking at me like, what are you talking about? Um, so it's like, we have to have um, wholesalers, you know, wholesalers are zoos, aquariums, museums, retail shops, you know, that is a very steady, predictable piece of the business. So, you know, we focus on that. Um, you can buy online. So we sell online and you can buy everything from, you know, something that's $20 uh, to, um, you know, I think the even keychains now that are lower than that, all the way up to, you know, things that are a thousand some odd dollars there. So um, we have the online business. And then the big piece of our business, which I love is the corporation, you know, the high net worth, individual or somebody that wants to do an installation you know we've done installations in canada philadelphia malls you know where people have a theory like this gentleman he's buying a whole scene around like we've created a coral reef rest um coral reef and then all these different seahorses and fish and other things that would be hanging around this reef and so he's going to have that as an installation we hotels um do it to cruise ships there's like a hippo on a cruise ship where you know the kids can go and swim and you know take their slide off the hippo oh so that's awesome yeah so it's like pretty much you know anyone that's kind of like in an area where they want to use this type of art form you know to make a statement or do something yeah Oh, I love it. So could you walk us through kind of the, this, the basic operations? Sure. So basically we decided instead of employing people to clean beaches, what we've done is gone out to the communities and, and taught them how to almost set up like a Mary Kay or an Avon, you know, a pyramid scheme. Yeah. 
Um, and so basically, you know, you get entrepreneurs at the highest level, they recruit people, they go and clean beaches. And then what they do is we buy the flip-flops, so we pay by the kilo. Um, so they, you know, as long, so that way they're getting paid for the work. And um, they also go and sell to other companies like Ocean Soul or other individuals for like other plastic that they do. So... You you're paying for the beach cleanup, and they're they're not just they're not just looking for flip flops. They're doing a whole cleanup, but they're kind of separating the flip flops. Yeah. So we do both sponsored beach cleanups, where mm -hmm. if we don't have an entrepreneur there locally, we pay people. We we call them the ocean mamas, you know. So we will give them a daily wage to clean the beaches. But if they're a, in if they're an organized unit where they're like maybe they're on own the river or a lake they go and they keep their area clean and then we buy those flip-flops so we don't pay them a salary we can we pay them by the um output yeah and and so you know i think so many of us have seen pictures of these of polluted beaches yeah but um are there really so many flip-flops Yes. So the flip flops. Why is that? So we're the flip flops. So the, if you got to think about the flip flop, not as we do, you know, in a first world country, if you will, or Western world, you know, as kind of a fate, you know, fashion. This is like some for three and a half billion people. We've predicted. I've worked with some anthropologists um, in London, and you know, we kind of started looking at poverty levels, emer hot emerging markets, villages, you know, kind of places around the world. Flip-flops, because they're the cheapest form of shoe. You know, you can buy them from a dollar to five dollars. And um, they're replaceable. They're fixable and replaceable. So we expect about three and a half billion people wear a flip-flop. So those have to be disposed. Now, you have to remember, these are flip-flops that are made, like, really from, like, crude oil. This is yeah. not Tory Burch and Havianas and, you know, any type of biodegradable. These are non-biodegradable. They're, like, barely destructible. You know, they just – and they – the, the urban – dump sites or even the village dump sites, they can't handle the volume. And this is rubber. So this stuff doesn't move. Like if there's like um, in Ethiopia, they have a mudslide. And what happened is tires and flip-flops got so big, they just kind of really slid down and they killed you know, hundreds of people in this because, you know, these things don't move, you know, um, a water bottle in the, in a kind of river will move around and everything flip-flops. I mean, they'll block sewage, they'll block clean water things. So they're very damaging. And, um, so they, they get, you know, somehow leaked, whether it's at the dump or whether it's, you know, kind of, um, you know, because people really are not throwing things into the ocean. I mean, there is a percentage of that, but that's not the major problem. And then they get caught up in these tidal waves, just like the marine animals. And that's how they end up on the beaches. Yeah. And I think, I feel like when we talked the first time you mentioned to me that sometimes the, um, the trash facilities are located really close to the waterways. Correct. So yeah, I had do a whole presentation called what the flip flop and it's, I show the examples like in Haiti and I bet you when I go to Colombia, there'll be an urban dump that's really close to a river and water because back in the day, everything was biodegradable, mm -hmm. right? When these things started, you know, you just had food, you probably had some textiles, etc. And then, you know, obviously when monsoons or rains or something would come, if it leaked, it wasn't a problem. Well, now these dumps are like 80%, you know, kind of plastic of some form. And then that's what happens. The monsoon still come, the rain still comes, the flood still comes. And, you know, they just, I mean, I just saw it running out in, in Haiti. I mean, it was just like literally a flow. It was just a river flow of plastic coming out. Yeah. So this is kind of point one where Ocean Soul is is making an impact is just, just solely in the 
uh, cleanup of the beaches right there. So, so now you guys have collected these flip-flops. So what happens from there? So then they come into our workshop, they get weighed, you know, we pay off whoever we need to do. They come in and they get uh, washed. So again, you know, to our ethos of people, you know, it's manual, not machine. You know, we don't have washing machines. We have um, ladies that um, come over and they wash all the flip-flops and disinfect them. Then they go into a sorting pile for the artists. Then the artists, you know, they work on their um, projects and, if it's smaller, what we do is we glue them together in like a block form. They'll be like, imagine like five, five flip-flops in a row, and then they get glued together and then the guys will start to carve. Or, you mm. know. And then if it's a bigger piece, we use a thing called polyurethane, which is this really nasty stuff that comes out of um, styrofoam-like, but it's for refrigeration. So like if you've ever seen an old refrigerator, old container, it's that stuff. And um we use that and that becomes the basis of our big pieces. So, because then we, we glue all that together and our glue we use is, um, is the most environmental glue that we can, um, you know, kind of with the supply chain in, in Kenya yep. and they carve that and then they put the flip-flops on that. And so um, our big pieces are not all hundred percent flip-flop. They're this other recycled material that we use in combination. That's awesome. But essentially what you're doing is you're creating like large pieces of block that then get sculpted or carved. And then, yeah, then from there they get sanded down and that's where a lot of the details come in, like the carving in the eyes or like the, you know, and then they add the whiskers, you know, all the other different things, ears and bits, and then wash it down and then it's ready to go, pack it up and it's off. Yeah. Okay. So you've cleaned up a beach, you have provided employment opportunities and you've made these beautiful pieces of art that, that anybody can now go on and buy. Correct. Yeah, it's it's magic. I really, I really love it. So, um, Aaron, what are some of the impacts and transformations that you've witnessed as you're running this ship? Well, I mean, interesting enough, you know, you have to think about when we talked about that volume of flip flops I was telling you about. You know, we recycle about a million and a half flip flops a year. Mm -hmm. So about every 60 seconds, we are, you know, putting a flip flop into some type of art form. So that's a big thing. But what I've really seen and been proud of is, you know, we, I've taken kind of my, you know, MBA kind of mindset and applied it to the business. You know, we have, everybody's kind of on a meritocracy. We have proper fair wages. We have bonus programs. We have um, an employee welfare thing, you know, um, where we match, we take the profits um, and dump it into the welfare program and people can borrow against it. So, I mean, I have um, some of my artisans, I mean, they were drug addicts and we provided them, you know, some um, counseling for that. They've been on the street and had no homes and, you know, through their employment and through our potential, our lending program that we have, they've been able to buy homes or they've been able to buy picky pickies, which are like boaters, you know, bicycle, not bicycle, but like scooters and stuff. Stuff, um, to get around, um, you know, they've put kids through school. I mean, you know, when you, when you provide people a fair wage and, you know, kind of opportunities to earn more and, you know, kind of a lending platform for them to, to actually prioritize what they need in their lives, you know, transformation happens because they never get that step to make that difference in their lives. And so we've seen, you know, we have countless stories of that. Yeah. And um, also for context, can you share like how the um, the number of people that are involved in the organization has grown since you've taken over? 
Yeah. So when I got there, there was probably 18, I think it was about people. And, you know, they were really, um, it was on the verge of bankruptcy. I mean, literally we got thrown out of our rent. I mean, there was a whole hoodoo-boo. Um, you know, I would have said Warren Buffett wouldn't even tolerated the shareholder uh, <laughs> issues that, that that went on. But, um, and we worked out of my house because it was Christmas time and we had all these orders to get out. So I had them all at my house and backyards and we were like sanding and doing all this stuff. And, you know, we're now over a hundred people that are relying on us for full-time income. And so, um, you know, we're, we're huge and we've grown into the United States and we get, you know, we sell globally now we've solved a lot of the shipping problems, you know, we've just tackled each one and, um, kept the lights on and, and, you know, hope to just continue to grow or, or stay at, you know, some level to continue our impact figures. Yeah. It's incredible. So this is a hundred people that, that y'all are providing employment opportunities for, are there any stories of, of any of the individuals that are part of your group you might be able to share? Well, you know, we have Brian, you know, we do a lot of highlights and there's a lot on our website because we yeah. do um, highlight, you know, kind of all if they're willing to share their stories. Yeah. But um, We've had Brian, you know, he was a um, tragic case of glue sniffing, which is very highly d addictive. Um, he lived on the streets and, um, you know, he came in just as a washer and then taught himself like how to carve. And so his story is remarkable because he's literally gone from that to like one of our top um, most creative um, carvers. We have women that have come out of prison, you know, kind of been, you know, you have to remember you go to prison in Kenya, if you've stolen a lighter or you've stolen a chicken, you know, like really serious things that are, um, um, you have serious penalties for little, you know, rudimentary kind of actions that, uh, we're not really tolerated. So, you know, we've, we've provided them new lives. We've sent people to university. We do scholarships. I mean, you know, it's just the personal stories are definitely there and, you know, they do share them. Yeah. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. how has ocean soul transformed you? Uh, well, that's good questions. Patience um, is one. Um, because, you know, nothing. Ha I, I, my brother makes fun of me because I always say to him, you know, I can work in two hours. I can do what people do in eight, and it's not being condescending or like. But it is like you know, there is an element of speed. You know, yeah. of, in a social enterprise, it's a business like ours that is very manual, very artisan. Um, you know, kind of you have workmen you know a lot of they all speak english but not you know kind of at the space like i can speak it you know and, and understand me um so i would say patience for sure i would say um definitely you know my days of you know buying chanel bags and and you know kind of like what i would call you know consumption you know kind of consumer consumption has has dropped significantly um you know i think i've learned a lot in terms of humanity from them you know i mean i have you know kenyans are an extremely beautiful culture i mean they're friendly they you know they'll tell you if you're fat you know they have no qualms you know? and so it's a very like a humble place to to work with them and i treat them like peers and you know we've been to we were all in saudi arabia eight of us went to saudi arabia i took the guys there and we went to Kaust university and just to see them like you know i mean we went out on the we had to, i had to take them out on the water because that they were convinced this is where moses walked you know what i mean like that kind of stuff you know is like so inspiring for me and we introduced them to the most famous football player you know he, um what's his name Digba, you know, like, I don't know, he came by and I got him to sign things. And, you know, I'm just a ballsy woman that runs around and grabs the guy and like, you got to come meet the guys. And they're just like, <laughs> so for me, it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of, that is how I can use my personality, my energy, my, you know, kind of, 
you know, kind of go get it attitude to, you know, to change them and give them those experiences. So, which is extremely rewarding. Yeah. And, and today you kind of split your time between Florida and Africa. And I'm just curious, like, what's the difference between like, for you, what is it like living in those two different places? And and really like for, for folks like in the U S in sort of Western culture, like that maybe can't visualize what it might be like to live in Africa. What, what, what is that like? Or what was that like? Kind of interesting because Kenya is an extreme, it's probably a second world country. I mean, we have a huge middle class. I remind people that, you know, Nairobi has a Bentley dealership. So let's start with that. You know, there nice. is affordability yeah. there. Um, you know, obviously my team and stuff isn't there, but there's a massive middle class there. Um, you know, high tech Google's there, Microsoft. So Nairobi is a, is a beautiful, crazy city. Um, I live out in um, the Indian Ocean. I live in Khalifi, which, you know, we have a house there and I have eight dogs and, you know, that is my home. Kenya is my home. Um, America, I love America, but, you know, I actually just love being, you know, Kenya provides nature, it provides animals. It, you have a tribe of people that are adventurous. You know, you don't go out to Kenya to, you know, rest and, you know, go play tennis. I mean, we do play tennis and we do play pickleball and stuff, but, you know, you're not there kind of to for that purpose. Um, yeah. You're there for whatever, you know, reasons, whether it's an, leading an exciting life or whether it's, you know, travel or just, you know, kind of be, you know, kind of one-on-one -on -one in, a, in a beautiful country. So it's, you know, we, do, we don't have the best food. I will say the one thing I will say is different that is when we come to America, we do get fat. The processed food here, like just like the whole, we're very nature, you know, because we just don't have that. Um, you know, we have a car for, which is like, a, I guess, a Publix, you know, but it's, uh, we don't have kind of the level of packaged food. Everything there is like farm to table, you know, everything. Yeah, is like, that sounds a lot healthier, actually. Yeah, it's definitely way more healthier. So, yeah. um, yeah, so there's many differences, but you know, I, I, it's nice doing both. But you know, Kenya is home. Yeah, I love that. So, Aaron, how can people help or get involved or even buy products from Ocean Soul? So, yeah, going to OceanSoul.com is you know a, a great way to support us. Um, we do everything from you can buy art there, you can donate. We have different programs. You can donate for a beach cleanup in your name. Um, you can help. You know fund a lunch, you know, kind of some meals, you know, so we have all that kind of available as well. Um, you know, we're happy if you're a business and you want to differentiate yourself, you know, we've done, like I said, a car we have done, you know, for boring, we've all, you know, in business have all gone to um, these huge conferences, a few, you know, cubicles and stuff, you know, we've made animals to drive people to those cubicles. So, you know, those are the best, you know, anything, if you, if you want to be different and you want to like support an organization that's doing something for environment and people, you know, we're kind of the place and we're very creative and we're very, I'd say one thing that everybody has complimented on is we're very professional to work with. You know, they don't expect to have, but you know, my team, everybody, we are like, boom in there. I mean, you would think we're a software sales team because we're kind of, you know, we're ready. We want to make it easy to do work with us. And, and I think we've achieved that. Yeah, I definitely think that if you're a business and you have a large piece of Ocean Soul art in your lobby or wherever, it's it's going to be eye-catching and yeah. it's definitely a discussion topic and uh, yeah. it's serving a great purpose. Well, and I was going to mention one other thing that's quite fun, what we're doing now, we've just launched this mascot program for schools because, you know, schools have oh, yeah. eagles, sharks. 
And we did this amazing thing and we're going to roll it out is we had a school get in touch with us. So we met with them and you know, whatever their design was about, let's say $4,000 they wanted to do. And basically we created the infrastructure on our website and they sent it out to their school and everybody, it was like crowdfunded and they basically raised enough money through, you know, parents and teachers and other people, businesses, and, you know, to, to build their mascot and ship it to them. And we're getting a lot of interest in that. And I think that's kind of really super cool because it's like it's going out to the schools and so you know teachers and conservation clubs can speak about not only our story but like what that represents and you know kind of recycling and so that's really becoming kind of a super cool um project for us that is awesome i love that idea yeah and uh it's actually like it, it sounds like such a great idea that that, that the thought that triggered in my mind which the answer to this might be a you know good thing I, i'm curious like do you ever see a day when there are no more flip-flops or there's not a lot of flip-flops that you can use to create this art? People always say that, but you know, a million and a half. And I mean, we still, we can't keep up with it. You know, I mean, it's just, and that's just in Kenya. Like I said, if on my ideal would be, you know, I'd love like Gates Foundation to hand you money and go, okay, let's open up in Colombia, Guatemala, Haiti, and you know, India and, and Indonesia and Philippines, you know, is a huge problem. And it's like, because there's enough. And, you know, as long as you're driving the market where there people will buy them, you know, there's plenty, sadly. If that day ever comes, it's a long way away. Long way away. Our children will be, you know, my grandchildren will be running it by then, I think. Yeah. And I love how um, you said that people can sponsor a beach cleanup in their mm -hmm. name. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned to me that you often get asked, can people donate flip-flops? Yeah. That, I mean, that is one issue we have. Um, we can't really well it just becomes very expensive to send them in and the problem is the kenyan government looks at trash they look at it and they would we would have to charge um import tax for that mm, yeah. the only thing we've gotten to which is quite exciting we're doing a partnership with aston martin from formula one cool and they did you know that all the formula one cars are made of the same material that we put inside of our large things this polyurethane so they have, as their designers design these cars, they have all this extra stuff and they're about to send us a whole container of Formula One um, polyurethane, which I think is going to be super cool. And so we've been working on designing Formula One cars, especially the Aston Martin one, because I think it'd be really cool to kind of sell those to the fans because, you know, that's a huge. I love know, that. Yeah. I'm a big Formula One fan. So it's like they, you know, having that and being able to um, have a piece of Formula One, I think will be super cool. Totally. I think that's fantastic. So Aaron, you've done such a beautiful job in your life, combining these three things that are so important to you, the environment, the adventure, your business acumen. I'm just curious for people that are listening, that are inspired by your story and they wonder if you know, how can they bring together their passion? So what, what advice would you have for them? Oh, that's a good question. Cause it's, uh, you know what? I think it's like our generation, you know, the Gen X generation, you know, I'm kind of giving up on the boomers now. I'm kidding, but it's like, you know, we all have to take our experiences that we have and, um, you know, we do have a lot to offer and you don't think about it because, but we have years of experience and, you know, we're like the most, you know, our age group is kind of the most transformational. I mean, you know, when we were born, it was, you know, real to real, like, look at us now, Bluetooth, you know, we've lived that, you know what I mean? It's like, and I think we underestimate at this, you know, uh, underestimate the things that we can bring to the table. And 
I think it's just like, you know, kind of working through what is that passion and knowing you can make a difference. We don't all have to be, you know, nonprofit gurus and, you know, kind of like, you know, wandering around and Birkenstocks and stuff. No, no offense, but you know what I mean? Kind of save the world people, you know, our skills can be saving the world, but using it from, you know, the value proposition that we come from. So, I mean, I think that's, um, you know, kind of for me, it's like, it is, it's all possible. You know, it's always been told it's scary, but it, you know, actually you end up in a comfort zone that's far exceeds wherever, you know, you were when you wanted to drive that change. Yeah. Thank you for that. Aaron, so inspiring what you're doing. So inspiring what ocean soul is doing. Like this is big and it's only going to get bigger. Oops. And as people go on and buy more and more art and more and more products, ocean soul is going to become more and more known globally. And at some point, Hollywood, is going to pick up on your story and they're going to want to make a movie about you. Yes. And when they do, I want to know who the Hollywood actress is going to be. That's going to play you in your movie. Oh, uh, they could only be Jennifer Coolidge. I hope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that she would do the honor and bring me to life and make her look like her. That would be awesome. So she's hysterical, but this is, and, and I think this movie's going to be fun, but it's not purely just a comedy because it's so full of purpose. But she's, you know, she's, she, if you read about her and I'm, I'm quite a big fan, you know, she's a huge, a uh, little bit like Ricky Gervais, you know, about yeah. animals. She's very into, she's a vegan, you know, she's kind of environmentally. She's perfect. She acts one way, but she's purposeful in her life. She's perfect. What's this movie going to be called? Well, I think it should be called, because I'm thinking about writing the book. And so I think the book, you know, kind of would be the same. It's What the Flip Flop, because I think that's a great, catchy title. And it's a soulmate's journey from corporate to conservation. Oh, yes. I know. Not, it's not Mission Impossible 7, but, you know, it that's could be that too. Say, say that again. Say the subtitle again. A soulmate's journey from corporate to conservation. Yeah, I love it. What Thank the Flip Flop, starring you. Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. I'm going to see that movie. Yeah, That's going to be yeah. fantastic. I've got to think about what to wear on the red carpet already. Yeah. So <laughs> if people want to learn more about you or get in touch with you um, or Ocean Soul, what's the best way to do that? Well, there's, you know, obviously you can um, go onto our website, hello at oceansoulafrica.com. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm very, uh, I'm not super active like everybody is in the business world, but we, you know, I answer all the messages to me and questions and things like that. They definitely, and also for me, you can get reached directly CEO at oceansoulafrica.com awesome. and soul is S-O-L-E. Awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for your time today. It's a hugely inspiring mission and I'm inspired. And for those listening, I hope that you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope Aaron's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or just need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thank you for listening. Aaron, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Scott, very much.